You are listening to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspirations shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the APEC region. I'm Pearlie, Associate Consultant with Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect businesses with top tech talents. Today, I'm your host. Just a disclaimer before we get into the discussion, all thoughts and views spoken by the speaker or myself are only representing each individual and not that of their company. Welcome to another installment of our podcast. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing the topic of nurturing a growth mindset and embracing leadership opportunity in tech. I'm delighted to be joined by Kanit, Chief Information Officer of Asia Market at Liberty Insurance. To begin, it would be great for Kanit to give a brief introduction of himself. Awesome. Thank you, Pearly, for having me. Um, so I'm I'm caught it as as uh, and you know you called out. Um, so I've been in Singapore uh, for almost six years now. Um, originally moved here from the U.S. I've been in the insurance industry for about uh, just north of 12 years. Uh, so it's been quite quite a journey, uh, predominantly in tech. Um, I actually started uh, or graduated college as an electronics engineer. Uh, and then started as a uh, software tester in uh, Warner Brothers in mm-hmm. California. Okay. Um, then, uh, you know, moved on to the insurance industry. I work uh, for Liberty Mutual. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you called out, I, I'm playing actually two hats. I do uh, architecture and engineering for the region. Um, and then, uh, you know, lending my hat as a CIO for the Asia market here. I see. Thank you so much for the introduction. So actually, what made you take the lead? from electronics engineering to, you know, insurance industry. <laughs> yeah, to be to be perfectly honest, you know, well, you learn how to program um, uh, in electronics uh, or electrical engineer. Uh, so, you know, when you come, come out of college, there's always, uh, you know, you have a lot of aspirations and a lot of goals <laughs> that I'm going to work at Google or Microsoft. Um, but a lot of it is built on you know, just uh, basic need to kind of work at a big organization and, and be part of a big thing, right? Um, but everyone has their own career trajectory. So so when I came out of college, I think I was uh, a lot more attracted to traveling. Oh. Um, while, you know, being obviously in tech um, I or learning electronics at school, um, I was geared towards, you know, getting my hands dirty while coding, whether it was software or hardware, right? But I was looking for opportunities that enabled me to travel. And so the first jump was, hey, Warner Brothers in California. (laughs) So I went to school in Michigan. um, And so that was a nice little uh, move, move away from the cold climate to to California, sunny California, right? Uh, So I I did software testing there. so I took on, you know, whatever was tech related, um, as long as I liked the location and, mm-hmm. and what it had to offer. Uh, and then I got approached by, by Liberty, um, uh, and they're based out of Boston. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't explored much of the U.S. Uh, or those cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it seemed like a, a good um, opportunity at that time, and it, it did turn out to be. Uh, but what I really liked about what they had to offer was a development program uh, that had international experience baked in it. Uh, uh, so I, I li- really took it on, not for insurance, <laughs> I took it on for the travel it had to offer and uh, a development program that 
uh, was offering like different roles in the organization. You know, you do a, you become a developer, you do project management, um, and uh, the prospect of perhaps doing that uh, internationally. Mm. And since then, like I've I've held travel as a personal hobby, um, <laughs> but also like took taken on roles that have enabled that as well. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing, uh, you know, working for a global multinational company uh, like Liberty, um, you know, I, I got a lot of opportunity to fulfill that goal and, and visit a lot of countries. Um, I worked in China about 10 years ago for about six, seven months. That was a very fulfilling experience. In Chengdu, right? In, in next to Chengdu, in Chongqing. Ah. Yeah, very spicy food. <laughs> but not in Singapore, so you know you can find Sichuan cuisine everywhere, right? Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's been quite a ride, right? Uh, 12 over years to yes. Liberty. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay, thank you so much, you know, um, for joining us today. All right, let's start with, um, you know, the fundamental question of defining what's a growth mindset and how can professionals foster a growth mindset and embrace a culture of continuous learning in their tech careers? What yeah. do you think? Yeah, great question. Very broad as well, right? So, um, <laughs> Growth mindset is a term um, that's quite popular these days, right? Uh, and rightly so, um, especially in career conversations, right? So let's first look at what it means. And to do that, we have to kind of contrast it with what a fixed mindset is uh, as well, right? So um, often uh, people interpret growth mindset as uh, being open-minded or being inclusive. And that's that's... I would like to say uh, a common misconception uh, because there's more to that. So these are definitely accurate uh, attributes to what a growth mindset is. Mm -hmm. um, but it really looks at beyond just being open-minded and inclusive. It's it's about understanding where are we trying to go? Mm -hmm. um, like what is our eventual outcome or goal, right? And the process or the journey that leads to it, right? Um, and that second piece, understanding how that works Mm -hmm. um, is growth mindset and understanding how to change that or tweak it is growth mindset, right? In contrast, a fixed mindset uh, accepts the process mm -hmm. uh, to achieve a goal um, and is relatively um, not welcome to change mm -hmm. for the process or the journey that reaches that reaches that goal or achieves that goal, right? Um, but still quite broad terms. So, so um, let's take a look at some examples, um, especially in like the tech industry or with tech professionals. Absolutely. So if we imagine a project team of engineers and, um, you know, product owners and they're launching a new product um, or going for a release, right? Mm. And, and there is a due date, uh, everyone's gearing towards it. Um, but imagine if that gets delayed or they're not able to go live or release the product on that date mm -hmm. um, because there was a misconfiguration uh, by a cloud engineer on one of the servers. Mm -hmm. Hypothetical example. Happens every day in, in the tech industry uh, with engineers, you know, they'll, they'll have examples of that. So um, really a growth mindset then uh, is about looking at um, not just like what caused that, right? Um, was it uh, the, the cloud engineer? Um, were they knowledgeable of the configuration? Mm. Um, what was the process that led to that delay, right? Um, 
did we need extra cloud engineers, for example, or could that um, task uh, have been automated to reduce human error, right? So a growth mindset would be an engineer that starts questioning why that led to the that event um, and how to improve it, right? Mm -hmm. um, in contrast, a fixed mindset would be, um, yeah, the cloud engineer missed the configuration. Now we have to reschedule the deployment, right? Which is true cause of the the event, uh, but not looking beyond that. Like, how do we solve for that problem? How do we how do we get to that state? Are we staffed enough? Um, you know, do we need more support mm. so that we don't uh, repeat the same mistake again? Mm. Right. So, so that's one key point of having a growth mindset that everyone on the team should be thinking about whether it was their task or not, um, the developer, the front-end developer, they should be thinking about it as well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, another example, if you take it up a notch, um, is let's imagine the team uh, actually delivered the product, oh. um, went live, uh, and then start focusing on their next piece of task, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the product is not being used if it's an application. Um, oh. Customers are not using it. Uh, there's no adoption, yeah. right? So a fixed mindset is, okay, I did my job and I, I released the product and I did it perfectly and they could be very specialized in it and they must have made a really good product. Mm -hmm. uh, but not asking the question like, why is it not being used? Is it delivering the eventual value that our team was set out to do, mm -hmm. right? Um, a growth mindset would be inquisitive about, you know, is this product doing what it was supposed to do and the effort that I put in uh, to do it, uh, to build it, mm -hmm. um, is that returning value towards it, right? And mm -hmm. and often people will say, um, okay, that's the project manager's job or the product owner's job or the sponsor's job, right? Mm -hmm. But as tech professionals, even if we're an engineer, a tester, like we should have that mindset of understanding the big picture mm -hmm. and learning things around that big picture mm -hmm. um, to see where we're going as a team, as mm -hmm. a system, right? And and that's really what growth mindset and, and continuous learning is about and, and having that point of view, basically. Mm, definitely. Oh, that, those are really good points and examples, you know. You basically summarize the growth mindset as having, I guess, um, looking at things from different vantage points and obviously from a more macro point of view, right? And not just... I guess, um, depend on one situation itself. Okay, cool. And are there any, you know, specific learning methodologies or approaches that are, I guess, particularly effective for tech professionals? Yeah, um, and you'll, you'll hear, you know, different uh, point of views um, on this, on, on how to go about learning or how, how to develop oneself, right? But a lot of them, I think, can distill to to a basic fundamental point, um, which is being curious, mm -hmm. right? Because um, being curious can lead to understanding the bigger picture, as I said, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so just relating back to like this example, understanding the, the ins and outs of what we're here to do, right? Um, if I'm an engineer, um, my product backlog says I need to build the story. That I do, um, but why am I building, right? Mm -hmm. And and always having that at the back of your mind. Um, obviously not obsessing over it and not doing <laughs> that versus your actual current <laughs> task at hand. Uh, but I think, you know, having that switch on, mm -hmm. um, 
being curious and understanding the big picture helps one fit the, the pieces or connect the dots together as they go through a, a project uh, or several projects or as they go through their career in a, in a company. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, and that has a subconscious effect on just once you start realizing how different bits and pieces fit together, um, then you start investigating more and then you start en enriching your experience in other areas, right? Um, so fundamental methodology would be always be curious, um, even if it's your ta not your task at hand, right? Um, and the second piece to that, uh, but related to is, is always try to answer the why. Uh -huh. right? And note, I'm not saying ask the why. It's <laughs> uh, so a, a lot of times people say ask the why. Right? Yeah. And there's a subtle difference here, as you can tell. Mm. And it's really to, you know, first be able to do self-reflection um, on why is my team doing this? Why is the company doing this? Why are we building a mobile app mm -hmm. for, uh, for whoever the user base is, right? Um, and before asking that why, like, the answer is in front of you in different bits and pieces. Uh, when you talk to the project manager, you know, they'll explain what the KPIs for the app is. Yeah. When you hear the sponsor speak about it, they'll explain what customers they're targeting. Um, when you talk to your peers or your testers or, you know, whoever else is in the project, they'll have different bits and pieces of the answer of why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And so really collating that mm -hmm. uh, first in your head. Um, and really understanding like why am I building this so, mm -hmm. is is a very good um, again switch to have on in the back of your head, mm -hmm. um, and then validate that with with the team, and, yeah. and then ask them why are we doing this and see if your assumption mm -hmm. uh, is on par or maybe there's certain barriers <laughs> that are that are missing. And yeah, that's that's a fundamental practice regardless of where we are, what projects we're doing, what role we're playing. Um, you know, having, being curious and asking or answering why um, really leads to, to a growth. Definitely. I do agree because, you know, um, a lot of people just work on projects without knowing why they're doing it. What was the fundamental reason that, you know, they're working on certain things. <laughs> yeah. And without the why, it makes their work kind of feel meaningless, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, um, I think it's very important to kind of form your own uh, whys, right? Like you mentioned. Yeah, those are really good points. And, you know, can you share some ex experiences of how, you know, like ongoing learning and personal development can fuel career advancement in the tech industry? Yeah, yeah and thanks for asking that. Um, you know, related to, to the point on uh, being curious, right? Um, I think technology, as you would agree, is... Very fast moving, right? Yes. <laughs> so fluid. Uh, it, it changes, um, and it's exponentially changing, and it will continue changing, right? Mm. Uh, so I think um, a very basic concept is staying up to date, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's easier said than done sometimes because <laughs> there's a lot of um, a lot of play. You have your day job. Um, mm. But from my experience, what I like to do is uh, get a little bit of a, I, I prefer breadth of exposure um, versus depth of exposure uh, when I'm trying to span the technology domain, right? And uh, depth is important as well. 
for sure. I'm not saying we shouldn't go deep into our area of expertise. Uh, we definitely should. And so when I was a software engineer, I was coding Java. I would go very deep into understanding and staying up to date on you know what the new Java frameworks are, libraries are, etc. Yeah. Uh, but that's one piece, and you have to kind of come out and like have breadth of knowledge across technology. Yeah. Um, you know what's happening in the industry. You know. AI and ML have been big in the past few years, staying up to date to that. Uh, but also like understanding what, uh, especially in like tech, you have, you, you kind of have um, different groupings of people, right? You're like, oh, I'm a .NET shop, I'm a Java shop, I'm AWS and Google. Yeah. And what often people find themselves doing is they start focusing just on that tech stack and not looking at other tech stacks. Um, and rightly so, for some reasons, like it helps them advance in that specific area and they, they progress further, right? Mm. But what I found myself doing is exploring the other tech stacks as well, right? Mm. Um, uh, and then also looking at how is tech helping outside of the tech industry, the, the businesses that it enables. So I come from an insurance company, right? Um, so tech isn't the product. Insurance is the product. Tech is a enabler, right? Yeah. And so while widening my exposure to all the technology that's out there, uh, it's also important to kind of understand how tech enables the business, right? Mm -hmm. And that comes with um, basically surrounding yourself with people that understand the business, right? Um, and not just limiting uh, myself on the, on the IT floor and doing the project. It's talking to the claims handlers, talking to the um, you know, the finance staff or the underwriters on just their day-to-day -day business, right? Um, but also just conversing more on uh, technology with them or how, what their pain points are, what their challenges are. And, you know, at first it sounds like I'm investing a lot of time in interacting with a lot of people, but there is a, a learning that comes out of it. Uh, again, there's Learning is, you know, primary learning is what you're reading from a book uh, or watching a video. Secondary learning is what you're absorbing from your conversations and your interactions. And it's, it's really the secondary learning that, you know, embeds um, and you start connecting the dots. Mm. When you're thinking about something in the shower or when you're trying to go to sleep, but you're, your brain <laughs> is wired, right? So yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, that has kind of, in my experience, given me a lot of exposure around mm what's going on and what moves, what ticks. Yeah. Um, and then when you hold, hold conversations with people, they understand that you understand technology, you understand their pain points and, and conversations lead to growth. Mm, I see. Awesome. A mixture of, you know, technical capabilities and business acumen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's easier said than done. Um, but we, we have to create time for it, right? Mm, I see. Yeah, so speaking of growth, um, a lot of you know, um, people think of climbing the corporate ladder, going, moving into uh, leadership positions as well. So are there any specific strategies or actions that perhaps you know, professionals can take to position themselves for you know, um, leadership opportunities and be ready for that, basically? Yeah, um, so a few things come to mind. I think... One is a, a classic one, um, always have a mentor, right? Um, and that's what I, I uh, experienced 
um, as well. Uh, and not just one mentor. Um, it's to be able to find, you know, a number of different mentors. And that doesn't mean meeting with them every week um, and having an agenda of topics, right? Um, so it can, it can be a lot more organic. Uh, but my one advice, even with that piece, is um, if I'm an engineer, um, finding a mentor doesn't necessarily mean that I find someone who has, you know, more years of experience yeah. in the same field. Um, that's important. Um, and then it's important to get advice from them. But a mentor really is, you know, someone that gives you an outside in perspective. Okay. Right. And so, uh, find mentors in your organization or even outside your organization. Um, so if I come from an insurance industry, right. Um, I found mentors that were outside of tech in the business. Um, how do you meet them? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. So, I mean, it can be any number of ways. Yeah. Right? Um, it requires, I think, a little bit of stepping out of your comfort zone. Okay. To be willing to, to engage in conversation, right? Um, or to, it depends on the environment you work in, right? So if you're a small organization, um, then everyone sits on the same floor or maybe sits on um, in the same building and so there might be company events and you meet them like that, right? Mm. Um, or the company has programs to connect mentors, right? Where you can say, this is what I'm looking for. So most big organizations do that. But that's within a company, so that's still the safe zone. Right? <laughs> um, stepping out would be, you know, in, in the city you're living in or in the industry that you're in, um, there's a ton of content online but a ton of like groups online that meet and connect mm -hmm. and i remember when i when i first came to singapore um i was uh i was very lonely <laughs> <laughs> and um so i uh, the first week i was going to work and i was coming out so i went online uh, oh. and i was like um meeting i forget the google search but like meet tech professionals in singapore or something like that um linkedin linkedin follow through uh found a, a reddit page that uh. had a whatsapp number oh or a whatsapp group and this is like seven years ago no one publishes their number anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of <laughs> yeah or pdpa right um and i was like okay this is cool um but it, it didn't feel good you know just trying to it's like, I have no friends. I'm trying to make friends or talk to people. Uh, but you kind of have to like push yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. And the first meeting I went to, I was telling someone at work, I'm like, hey, I found this thing and I'm going there. And they were like, um, yeah, these meetings are useless and there's, it's a waste of time. Huh? Uh, I'm like, I'll still go, right? And I went there and I, I had this thought, this image in my mind that's going to be boring and, um, you know, everyone's just going to sit there and, yeah. And people were just sitting there having dinner. Um, nothing fancy about it. Um, but I met, I met a lot of cool people, right? Uh, oh. A few people at insurance. Yeah. Um, and then that first event happened. Mm. Everyone goes away. It's still a struggle the second time if someone's organizing. Okay, let's go, let's go. So you kind of have to push yourself to go. And I made very meaningful connections out of that uh, oh. afterwards. And it's really, um, you can approach it like building friends. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not really um, going in with an agenda that, hey, I want to learn about this from you because it has to be organic relationship, mm -hmm. right? And then those are the most genuine uh, mentor-mentee relationships 
because then once the friendship is there um, or the relationship is there, then you can discuss anything that comes to mind, right? Just like um, if I'm facing some trouble, I go to my friends and I ask them for advice. So, so that's what a mentor uh, should be, um, you know? And so, so that's one important um, aspect of this. Uh, the, the other is I would recommend, um, and we find this often in, in the tech industry uh, with tech professionals. I went through this is what's my career path, right? <laughs> so I started as a software tester. I was like, okay, maybe, you know, I want to become a software developer, took that on. And then I would always think like, okay, next step is senior software developer. And then, you know, tech lead, then maybe an architect or, or manage a team of developers. Right. And, and so we often look for defined career paths and try to align behind it. Yeah. Um, because tech is, you'll find most people in tech more logically oriented or logical thinking, right? Because that's, that's what programming is about. Yeah. Um, and so as much as we should do that, I think if we're asking the question, you know, how do we get into leadership roles? If you ask a lot of leaders, uh, most of them will say they never followed a defined career path, right? Um, you don't go from a developer to a senior developer to a tech lead to an architect to a team manager to a CIO. Uh, yeah. You'll find CIOs that have done that, but more often than not, you'll find CIOs that are coming from many different backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. um, we used to have a CIO that was a mechanical engineer working oh, in the insurance industry, right? Um, and so... Uh, what's very important is, as I was mentioning earlier, like diversification off, off the experience, mm -hmm. right? And, and is, there's no one, uh, straight path. So, um, trying to get to a leadership role as much as in support to go through the, the job families and the promotion cycles, um, always be open to a different experience. Um, and whether as a developer, you end up taking a project management role as an assignment, even if you don't like doing it, right? Um, but it's experience and you might do it for six months and come back out, right? Um, or even like a different role outside of tech. Um, that can depend on the company you're in. Um, and once you get out of tech, can you come back into <laughs> tech? So a lot of people think about that. Um, but it's, it's, it's important to kind of diversify uh, your experience, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are really good points. Okay. So I'm sure, you know, um, as a CIO yourself, you've seen um, several people move into leadership positions as well. What would you think are some of the key attributes or qualities um, that tech leaders look for when considering candidates for leadership positions? Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, there's no perfect answer to this, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll, try to, uh, I'll try to summarize it. Um, I think obviously um, uh, having a foundation of the technology that you're, the domain that you're in is, is important, right? Um, uh, you often find sometimes leaders that are running an organization that are a bit uh, out of touch with the technology. Um, that can play out in, in a number of different ways. It doesn't make them a bad leader, but uh, I think in my opinion, like a good one of the good attributes if we're considering people for leadership role is make sure they have foundation of the tech work that happens on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that they have to be coding every day, mm -hmm. uh, but they need to understand the ins and outs. That makes right? sense, right? And yeah, and, and that helps them relate to yeah. uh, 
the layers in the organization. Right? Mm. You don't want a leader uh, that comes outside in just because they're good people managers, yeah. uh, but are unable to understand the technical foundation. But that's an easy one to fulfill. Um, then the second is, you know, you'll hear, okay, they should have the people management skills, they should have experience. All those are valid points, but I think, um, in my opinion, the the key one after the tech foundation is willingness to uh, to grow, right? And willingness to learn. And to your question earlier, like growth mindset, right? Mm. Um, even when someone becomes a leader, that's still their first step in the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And then they still go through, uh, you know, different leadership experiences, right? And and I go through that, right? Like I, I took on a leadership role um, governing architecture for um, the Eastern operations of, of Liberty. And that was just the first step, right? Then um, I got groomed into managing different projects. Um, then I got groomed into, you know, taking, being, shadowing CIOs and then taking on a CIO role, right? So keyword I'm using here is grooming. Um, because leadership is very unique mm. to uh, organization uh, that is made up of the talent that they have to their goals. Um, so it's really about fit, right? Um, there's no perfect leader you can get from the market. It's how, <laughs> it's how they fit in the organization, the culture and, and what they do, right? And so even a seasoned leader needs to be groomed into the role that they're being hired. Um, and what I find is new leaders are easy, easier to groom uh, because they're hungry for knowledge, right? And so, so that's another criteria is like willingness to to learn, uh, get out of your comfort zone, take on things that you're clearly not uh, comfortable with or maybe not even interested in, but willingness to do that. So that's a key attribute to display when when going for leadership roles or interviewing for them is, you know, how much have you stepped out um, off your comfort zone um, on top of the, the, the tech foundation. The third thing I'll add to that uh, is leaders are there to guide teams and to achieve outcomes and to unblock um, hurdles. Right? Yeah. And unblocking means you need to have a solution mindset. And what that means is um, if you see a risk, if you see a challenge, identifying that is is only half the job, if not even less, right? Coming up with a solution for that um, is a leadership trait. And so um, what I've seen is, especially like if people are gearing towards leadership roles is when they're raising challenges, they wanna share a solution to that as well. Even if it's a bad solution, at least you're you're displaying that this is how I think, um, you know, how to solve for for a given challenge. Mm. Absolutely, those are really good points. And earlier you touched a little bit about your personal experience, so I want to go dig a little deeper there (laughs) on your personal journey. So maybe, can you please share a little bit more about how, you know, you successfully transitioned from a technical role to a more of a leadership position in tech? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's a tough question. (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, you know, everyone everyone kind of has... uh, has their journey and experiences. So, so happy to share. I think there's there's a number of um, different things as I reflect back um, that I can I can kind of share. Um, one is uh, basically, you know, this you have to kind of build a brand for yourself, 
as as cliche as it uh, sounds. Um, and that goes back to like the earlier points I was making. Uh, you have to not just attain knowledge, but have meaningful conversations about that uh, mm. with people you interact, uh, and not just in your uh, scope of work um, or your line of work, right? And if we are in a organization where tech is an enabler, like Liberty or like insurance, mm. right, where uh, technology is enabling the business, mm. uh, then I think you'll agree, like, people that are not in IT, they'll just come to IT for all sorts of techniques, <laughs> right? It's like, my... I'm guilty of that. I cannot log on to the VPN, or I cannot do this, I cannot do that. Um, or just, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah. It's a great opportunity for tech professionals, right? And um, when I was more junior in my career, we used to laugh about it. We would say, so in, in university, like, I did a part-time job, and it was help desk. Right? Oh, okay. And um, we had a professor uh, who just piled a ticket, and this is a true story. They're a very classic one, right? Uh -huh. That their printer is not working. They were very, very angry that their printer is not working. <laughs> um, and you can guess, like it wasn't plugged in properly. <laughs> <laughs> the classic example, right? Um, but I think the that was uh, many, many years ago. But I think. The world is a lot more tech savvy today, right? Uh, so not to say that uh, people outside of tech don't understand tech, um, mm. but what I mean to say is have intelligent conversations about what's up and coming about tech, and mm. you know, building that knowledge base and and how that relates with who you're talking to uh, to solve their problems, right? Um, and and that builds a brand about yourself. So even if you know, the company's executive um, leader comes and asks you why, you know, something is not working and if it's not your role, it doesn't matter. Um, engage with them, right? And connect them to who you think can help solve their problem. Mm. Um, and that comes with building a brand, right, in the organization that you're in. Um, if you're looking for, you know, growing uh, into leadership positions in the company that that you're part of, um, and that's been my experience, right? Mm -hmm. and I've done 12 plus years at Liberty, yeah, and kind of you know been groomed um, through that process. the The other piece is um, managing up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a tactful balance. It doesn't mean that you're just trying to appease your boss um, or just doing what they're doing. It, it really means understand what is your manager's outcomes, right? And okay. what are they trying to achieve? And make sure that that translates to how you're supporting that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then that comes with, you know, more opportunities where, you know, if if people get a chance to interact with senior leadership, like managers, managers, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, take on that opportunity and, and share what, uh, is being done at your team's level? What are the challenges? Um, and so that's some of what I went through. I think it depends on how a company is organized and how it's cultured as well. Um, but at Liberty, you know, we have a lot of uh, matrix structure. Um, and so you have managers, but then you have dotted line managers, and then you have like senior leaders. And, and it's really encouraged to kind of reach, go deep, um, and and up as well, um, where you have you provide access to to uh, employees in your company to interact with senior leaders, right? Mm -hmm. 
And if um, my advice is if uh, if people find themselves in a company that encourages that, capitalize on it, right? And and have your brand uh, sell yourself that this is um, what I have to offer, uh, not just in the hard skills but also in the soft skills. And and like you know, this is how I critically think about stuff. This is how I approach solutioning. Um, and the last piece is experience. You have to diversify, as I was mentioning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you often find uh, talent that is good at something, and they they are very uh, good at it, and the, they're doing a critical piece of the process. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're maintaining a critical application, for example, right? And they know the ins and outs of that. They are um, they are uh, they're getting rewarded for that. They win all sorts of recognition. Um, but let's say they've been doing it for five years, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's when, like, as a tech professional, you have to kind of take a step back and say, am I getting out of this job uh, or this role, what I'm putting in, um, or have I plateaued, right? And uh, even though you might be getting a lot of recognition and a lot of praise and maybe even good comp, but do I need to step out and do something that is unfamiliar with me, right? Um, And taking on those roles um, and even... If it's the same role but a different location, so in my example, um, you know, I I was craving travel, but yeah. that came with an advantage as well. Is I went to different areas of the company, saw how they worked, right, and how they uh, approached solutions, and kind of you know built my presence there, and and then went to another assignment somewhere else and built that, and that not all, only helps diversify uh, my experience. Um, but it also kind of helps me then understand the the global culture of the company and then be able to navigate um, where to go after that, right? Mm. I feel like that's really helpful, right? Just different regions, like you're doing things differently. And then you have like a more holistic picture of the entire business. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, so I guess three main pointers together from what you've just mentioned. Um, guest, you know, I guess, first of all, um, don't be a wallflower. Yeah. <laughs> Second, build your damn branding. Yeah. 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 Um, and third, you know, um, diversify your yeah. experiences. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Um, so what would you say maybe um, on a not so green side of the grass, what would be some challenges or obstacles that professionals mm-hmm will face when they try to, you know, take on leadership role. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good question. There's again, like, uh, everyone is going to have different challenges as, as they're taking leadership roles. Right. Um, one of the most common ones is, uh, leaders, leaders have, uh, there's this, um, the, the word is overloaded sometimes, right? Um, they, there is a high requirement to become a leadership, uh, to attain a leadership position, right? So mm-hmm. I think sometimes the, the biggest challenge is uh, as tech professionals that are aspiring to become leaders, they, they put the leader on a pedestal, the term leader on a pedestal, right? Um, and it's kind of an oxymoron because a leader should be uh, <laughs> above and, and guiding, right? Um, yeah. But if you... If you put that, um, if you have that mindset, then um, you're kind of self-actualizing um, against reaching that or making it too far out to reach, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a journey of um, 
that sometimes can become a challenge where it's, it seems unattainable. And, and so it needs to be kind of humanized that a leadership role is an organic role that you gain with experience. Um, uh, but that's just only one, one small part of it, right? Mm. Uh, the other is obviously uh, experience um, is, is a critical requirement for leadership. And now if a CEO is hiring a CIO, they may say you need X years of experience. If a you know CIO is hiring a tech lead, they may say you need Y years of experience, right? And everyone has their criteria and they're all different, right? There's no, there's no perfect level of experience that's available, but uh, as a tech professional, you kind of have to navigate that um, for what your um, senior leaders expect out of you to become a leader, right? And um, I had, um, as I've been fortunate enough to have had accelerated growth um, mm-hmm. with with my company, um, and that comes with not just obviously I didn't accumulate years and years of experience, mm-hmm. but I was able to uh, make sure that I accumulate enough experience to be able to prove back that hey I understand uh, this domain and I can play this role. Whether it was being going from a you know senior engineer to an architect for example uh, that journey can be a long journey for a lot of people that they will spend you know five eight sometimes even ten years being a you know a really good senior engineer and then eventually take on an architect role mm-hmm. um, or you could start playing the architect role without being an architect right and prove it to other architects around you that hey I can deliver on this and I can um, uh, you know, fulfill their, what's demanded off uh, software architect uh, and prove that you can do it in the absence of years of experience. So that's something that, you know, typically um, needs to be navigated um, because it can become a challenge where uh, if people don't know you, they don't know that you can deliver on something without the credentials for it, right? And so that will be a challenge that comes in different ways and shapes and, and forms. Yeah. Um, it's a challenge I've faced, um, but it's it's something that you kind of then have to see, okay, whose perception is what, uh, and how do I uh, help change that perception by showing what I can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so those those would be the two main uh, challenges, I think, that, that leaders go through. I see. Yeah, definitely, you know, I absolutely agree. Your self-experience doesn't mean that you can do a certain job well as well, you know. Um, and sometimes people just pick up things, learn faster, accelerate their learning curve, and they're able to do things that, you know, someone with five years of experience could be someone um, do the job of someone with 15 years of experience, for example. Exactly, or, or even better, right? Yeah. And, and in tech, um, that's a key thing because... If you have someone that has 20 years of experience in a programming language, mm. that language is probably obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so tech changes so fast that you kind of have to navigate uh, diversity, um, exposure, mm. and just the right amount of experience. Um, and a good good way uh, that I've practiced um, and uh, I got this advice uh, from someone was... Uh, you know, be in a role long enough until you're extracting output from the role, mm-hmm. uh, which is more than what you're putting in, right? Uh-huh. And when it comes to a point where you're putting in a lot of energy, you're still getting out of the role, like experiences and new 
firefighting that you're doing or new projects, but is that enough for what you're putting in? Or do you need a new challenge where you go to a brand new area and, and start experiencing that? And and that's a good trigger point to, to switch, basically. Mm, I see. Well, really insightful. So to end off, uh, maybe <laughs> advice from credit. How can professionals navigate imposter syndrome or yeah. self-doubt that might hinder fast track of career progression? Yeah, that's that's a very key one. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've been playing the CIO role for the past uh, uh, 10 months now. Mm. Uh, my career aspiration was to get into you know, executive IT roles. And, and so when I was asked to step in um, uh, as an interim uh, CIO, um, I, it, did, it, it did feel like an imposter syndrome. Surreal, right? Yeah, in, in the <laughs> beginning, right? Yeah. Um, and there's no easy way to kind of quell that, mm-hmm. uh, right? And so uh, I remember I was thrown into like a, mid-planning season, right? Um, where you're doing a lot of uh, budgeting, a lot of financial planning, mm-hmm. looking at what the next year is about. And I had always been part of that, um, but on the sidelines before, right? Where I had assisted other CIOs or I was an architect. Uh, I am an architect by trade, uh, an engineer. Um, but when something, obviously as a CIO, you need to be very financially focused, um, so when something like this becomes the first job at hand, mm. uh, you can you can feel like a, you know you can feel the imposter syndrome and you can self doubt um, you know am I doing this correctly or am I not and and I went through that um, and so two things to keep in mind one is if you were nominated to play a role or you were hired to play a role um, as I was nominated to be an interim CIO. Um, someone saw something in you that they believed um, you could do it, right? So that's a conditioning um, I had to do um, where, hey, it's it's overwhelming or it can be a lot, but like I'm here because there must have been something, right? <laughs> and I think uh, obviously there, there had like, but it's a good reminder to condition yourself with that, right? Um, and then using that to kind of believe in yourself, Right. And continue to remind that, hey, I can do this. Um, I'm walking into this meeting. I think I know about A, B and C, but I have no idea what's going to be thrown at me. Right. Uh, And uh, you can be thrown X, Y and Z. Right. Um, But just believe in yourself. If you can't do it, um, say, hey, I'm new to the role. Let me go and find out. Right. Um, Rather than uh, reacting in a way where. Uh, someone might start perceiving that they cannot do it, right? And so um, sometimes it can be nerve-wracking. Um, so you have to kind of like take a step back, take a deep breath, <laughs> believe in yourself, ask for time. Yeah. Um, and then go back and do your homework or ask other people for advice, right? Mm. And you do that. I did that, um, you know, a number of times. And the first month was very hard. Second month became easier. The third month became even easier. And then it starts becoming a natural thing. Uh, where you start then understanding how things work and and then the the self-doubt um, does kind of turn into self-confidence. Mm, well, that's really inspiring. 
Yeah, but it's it's a journey everyone has to take on, on yeah, themselves, right? Definitely, someone definitely sees something in you, right? <laughs> okay, great. All right, we will leave it、uh, here as that's all the time that we have for today. I want to take this opportunity to thank Kanit for providing his insight and knowledge to this topic, and thank you everyone for listening. I'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. Goodbye.